Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. It is my privilege now to invite up and, and introduce to you uh, Pastor Sam Porsche. Sam, if you want to come on up here. Sam is a new friend. I suspect that we are going to become good friends in the years ahead. And he is serving currently as the ministry growth director at Crossroads Kids Club, which is a ministry we're really excited about. We hope to be able to partner with at some level. He'll share more about that as he speaks. But he also serves as the, the senior pastor of a new church plant, a congregation called Christ is Everything Ministries. And currently, they worship online. A number of their folks are joining us right now. So hello, Christ is Everything Ministries. We greet you in the name of Jesus. And this morning, we've asked Pastor Sam to come and bring the word of God to us. Can we just bow for a word of prayer before he preaches? Lord, we thank you for Pastor Sam and for the way that you have moved in his life, his dramatic story, and the the way that his life reveals you. We now pray that as you have laid a conviction on his heart, from your word, that that word would have great power in our lives. And yes, Lord, we want to agree with you. We want to be moved by what he says. But in the end, Lord, we pray that that word will be powerfully used by you to make a response in our lives, for us to be different, to choose to live differently, because we've heard from you today. Anoint him, fill him with your spirit as he speaks now. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Well, it's so good to be here. Um, Thank you, Pastor Dave, Pastor Stan, um, Harvest Community Congregation. Um, I really appreciate the invitation, and I agree with you, Pastor Dave. We're going to be brothers for a long, long time. (laughs) Um, I want to say hello to Christ is Everything Ministries. It's live streaming. And my lovely wife, our daughter, Jada, my mother-in-law, Diane, and my sister, Joe, are here joining us here in person. Um, I'm the type, I like to jump right into it. So let's just get into this word. Amen. Um, I want to start with a story. I want you to, to picture a large manufacturing plant and in your town, here in Hoffman Estates, the city. And let's say that it produces shoes. And the management has invested great sums of money and many, many hours into this plant to produce Shoes. And money has been spent on salaries for the employees, machinery to make the shoes, right? Materials from which the shoes are to be made. And, and, and the plant is now in operation with hundreds of workers scurrying to and fro. The plant is full. And the machines, they're running at full blast. Activity is at its maximum. One day the president comes down and he asks the production manager, how many shoes have we produced so far? The production manager says, none. And he says, none? And the president explains, well, how long have we been in operation? And he says, well, we've been in operation for two years. He says, two years and still no shoes? That's right, the manager says, no shoes, but we've been 
really busy. We've been very active. We've been so active that we're all tired out. And so the president is very concerned. And any of you in this room, if you were the president of that company, you would be very concerned. Somebody probably would be ready to be fired. And an investigation would probably be your first step of action that would be taking place. Well, I want you to imagine right now that a cross has just been put on the top of that building and transformed that building into the church in your city, transformed that building into the church in your corner, transformed that building into this church. We may find activity going on, right? Busy. Men and women working very hard. But the real question this morning is, are we working hard at church and still not making disciples? Um, Matthew, turn with me to Matthew 28, chapter, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to read from two different translations, the New Living Translation and then the Amplified. Um, in the New Living, New Living Translation, it says, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Amplified says, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me. Help the people believe in me. Help the people obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe Everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of your circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of age. The command is to disciple. It's the Great Commission. The command is to disciple. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I I thought it was just for me. I was just excited about me. I was happy that I had something to hang on to. I was happy that I had someone to turn to so that when I was having some hard days and my circumstances were seeming to guide me and my emotions and feelings had me in the spirit of fear, I could turn to God. I thought it was just for me, me, myself, and I. How wrong I was. How wrong I was. The Great Commission Here, Jesus is giving us a command. Now, I don't know how many parents we have in here. We can raise hands. I'll put up two hands. I have children. When we give our children a command, it's not optional. (laughs) Now, they may think it's optional, but it is not optional. And Jesus is saying here, I'm giving you a command. He said, I give a command to my disciples. And it's, it, and, and it's one that differs from the previously established teachings. Because the discipleship is not just for a Christian to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Discipleship happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and see, 
he, 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 this was different from the previously established teachings. With all that he has taught them, Jesus has now given them a task with teaching others. You don't have to be up here on this platform on this stage. It's a command. He said you need to teach others. And their new duty is to go into the world and do what Jesus did for them. Go and make disciples. The, this commandment, though, known by many of us, not, is not one that we always aspire to uphold. I'll begin with myself. I was, I was that me, myself, and I. This is my Jesus, my Christ. This is for me. Yes, I go to pray. This is just for me. One belief is that the commission was designated for the original disciples. Some people really believe that. Some people, some think it's just for missionaries. And some people don't get involved because they tend to exclude themselves from the commission because it, it can vary. They dislike to travel. Missionary is overseas work. I don't want to go overseas. I don't like the social interaction with strangers. I love Jesus, but I really don't care for people. But Jesus' commandment, it may read like missionary work, but there is a deeper meaning to making disciples and it's one that applies to all believers. It applies to each and every one of you. So what is a disciple? The Greek word translated in the New Testament simply means a pupil or an apprentice. It's found approximately 284 times in the New Testament. And in a general sense, the New Testament speaks of disciples from various people. Moses had disciples. The Pharisees had disciples, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus Christ. At first, the term did not necessarily imply any particular level of commitment. It didn't apply any really particular level of commitment. But Jesus gave the word richer meaning than simply a pupil. Jesus desired that everyone who believes in him would become a devoted disciple. And disciples are not made by adding water. It's not that simple. That's how you become a believer. Yeah. Just add Jesus, the living water of life. That's how you become a believer, but trusting in him to save you from your sin, right? But no cost and no effort on your part, just reception. But following Jesus in discipleship will cost you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't really like to pay for many things. I don't like things that cost me a lot. And, and if I don't know about you. I'm just going to keep talking about myself, but I like to be comfortable. I like convenience. Those are power words for me. Comfortableness, convenience, those are powerful. But how many of you know that God wants you to be comfortable in being uncomfortable? Comfort is not a part of discipleship, and it's not a part of that walk. So, so uh, Billy Graham once said, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. So here is where a lot of confusion about salvation and the Christian life comes into play. There is confusion there because it's very, very important to dif differentiate between being a believer and being a disciple. There is a difference 
Equating the conditions of salvation with the conditions of discipleship is a sure path to confusion. The Bible is crystal clear about the only way to receive eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it's equally clear that God does not want you to remain a spiritual baby. His plan is that you grow in faith by following him in obedient, committed discipleship. And what does that look like? Let's do like a a comparison. Salvation versus discipleship. Salvation speaks of justification, but discipleship speaks of sanctification. Salvation is an invitation to believe in Jesus, but discipleship is an invitation to follow Jesus. There's a difference. Salvation is simply received, but discipleship is active and must be worked out in your life. Salvation is obtained by Christ's love for me, his love for you, his commitment to me, his commitment to you, his dying on the cross for me, his dying on the cross for you. But discipleship is obtained by your love for Christ. Discipleship is obtained by your commitment for Christ to Christ. You're taking up the cross for Christ. There's a difference. Salvation is totally free to the believer, but discipleship is very costly to the believer. Salvation is is the unsaved person's response. (laughs) Discipleship is the saved person's response. And you know, when I was studying this and I was preparing this message, I was like, so, wow, I'm not saved if I'm not a discipler? What, what What does that mean? But then God quickly reminded me, he said, oh, you thought you got saved just for yourself? He was like, no, this is about, you're not a spiritual baby. This is about growth. You were saved to make disciples. You were saved to walk in the Great Commission This is bigger than you, and this will go on after you're not here. Salvation relates to Christ as Savior. Discipleship relates to Christ as ruler and master. Salvation is inclusive, whosoever will, right? But discipleship is exclusive. Unless you do ABC, you cannot be my disciple. The command is to disciple. So how can you be a disciple, right? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23. He said to them all, let me read it from here. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Because I don't know about you, but as you're growing and once you get saved, one of the biggest things is for you to learn how to get out of your own way. It's so easy to get in the way of what God wants to do for you, right? We become one of the most biggest barriers to God getting, maximizing the potential that he has placed on the inside of you. Feelings, I'm going to tell you right now, is one of the biggest things that we need to stay away from because your feelings are nothing more than a gauge. 
Emotions are part of who we are as humans, but your feelings are nothing more than a gauge. But a lot of times we allow our feelings to be our guide as well, right? And what it does is it guides us in the opposite of direction of what God is trying to do for you. Because a lot of times feelings are something that we don't want. And God is saying, no, I need you to go through that fire. I need you to go through that storm. I need you to go through that uncomfortability. I need you to be uncomfortable. I need, I need, I need. And we make our decisions based off our feelings. And so since we don't want to feel uncomfortable, since we don't like the circumstance, since we don't want to be in the storm, we let our feelings guide us away from where God wants them to have breakthrough for us. So we stay ironclad with chains that God wanted to break. We stay lost when God wanted to, on a crooked path, when God wanted to make our path straight. Because, see, we, we, we let our feelings be an obstruction and a barrier to God getting the glory out of your life. Because, after all, it was salvation, right? Me, myself, and I. But discipleship allows you to walk through that storm. Because you know that on the other side of it, God is growing you to be bigger and better. And he's stretching you and he's challenging you. And challenges do not come easy. They don't come in the spirit of comfortability. It doesn't happen that way. So the first thing he says is deny yourself. Well, I don't want to do that. That's not a human instinct that we just say, wow, yes, I love that. No, it's not. Deny yourself. Jesus submitted himself and his own desires to the desire of the father, which was suffering death. And so in context, Jesus' statement that the person who comes after him must deny himself means to deny yourself anything that would obstruct the fulfillment of God's will in your life while following Jesus. Anything that's going to obstruct that, anything that's going to get in the way of that. He says, deny yourself. And denying yourself those things that will hinder your walk with the Lord. It's, it's recognizing that your plans may not align with God's will. Letting go of your own agenda and trusting in God's plan for your life. And what's wrapped up in all of that is our feelings. Well, I feel this way about that. And God is saying, I don't care how you feel. This is what I want you to do. So your feelings are just a gauge. They're not your guide. And that's one of the biggest things we have to understand because our feelings obstruct and stop God from getting the glory out of our life. So he says, deny yourself. And this can be a very difficult process because it often involves sacrificing. Uh, I don't don't know about you. I'm going to keep saying, I don't know about you. I'm just going to keep talking about me. But I didn't like the sacrifice. And the Lord had to work on me with that. I was very selfish. I'm like, mom, when is dinner going to be ready? Why is it taking so long? Never mind. She works so many hours. I'm like, what's going on with this? What's going on? This? Because it was me, 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 me. I want what I want and I want it right now. And we'll touch that in the next generation because a lot of times we have a barrier with our kids today because they live in a society that's very instant. And it's not their fault that they want everything so quickly. And as leaders and as adults, we got to help them navigate through that because they're growing up in a time that we didn't grow up in. Things were slower for us. But I'll get to that in a moment. This can be a very difficult process. Very difficult. Because it involves sacrificing things that we hold dear. Not just sacrificing anything, but things that we hold dear such as personal ambitions, right? Or your material possessions, or even relationships that are not in line with God's principle, 
well, I like this person, I'm dating this person, and God is saying, run from that person. That's not the right person for you. Deny yourself. And denying oneself is, an, is such an essential part of being a disciple. It's such an essential part. When we surrender our own desires and seek to please God, we become better equipped, better equipped to serve him and others. We are no longer held back by our own selfish ambitions. Do you know you hold yourself back? God is like, I want to do a downpour in your life. And we'll say, no, I'm good with the mist, God. I'm okay with the mist. I don't want the rain. I don't want the downpour. I don't want the abundance. I'm okay with the mist. We, we block with our own selfish ambitions. ambitions, and Instead, we focus on living a life. And, and, and instead, we need to focus on living a life that imitates our Lord and Master. I mean, our attitudes can hold us back. There's nothing wrong with me. Because, see, we don't want to look in the mirror. We don't want to be honest with ourselves. But honestly, you can't be free if you're not honest. So our attitudes hold us back. We get used to happy, which is the miss, when Jesus wants to give us a downpour of abundance so you can have joy no matter what your circumstance is. We allow finances to mess us up. I would have a, I used to, I remember before I found Christ, I would be angry all week, but payday on Friday, woo, all of a sudden I had a pep in my step and everything was okay. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. So next, the next thing he wants us to do is he says, take up your cross daily. And again, the context is the key to understanding this verse. Jesus expected his disciples to suffer hardships. Ooh, another big one. You want me to deny myself, deny the things that I like, that I feel comfortable and make me do things, Lord, that I don't. Yes, you're my disciple. Okay, I think I can maybe wrap my brain around. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Now you want me to suffer hardships? We're talking about discipleship. So take up your cross. And so it's, it, it, you got to be, it, he expected his disciples to suffer hardships in order to do God's will, just as he did by submitting to the cross. And being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires us to be willing to suffer rejection and ridicule and even persecution for Jesus if need be. He's talking about maturity here. He's not talking about spiritual babies. See, discipleship is a whole nother level. It doesn't mean a disciple seeks to suffer. But it does mean that we will not be surprised when it comes. It doesn't mean that we seek to suffer, but it, does, but it does mean that we're not surprised when it comes, nor will we shrink from it. Taking up the cross means embracing a life of service and sacrificial love. Christ himself exemplified this type of love when he gave up his life for you and I. And following in his, footste- in his footsteps, being his disciple, we must also be willing to put others their needs before our own. And now, and, 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 and I'm not going to go into this, but now you're talking about spiritual warfare. Because there's a battle between you and what you want to do and what God's will is. And if you don't rightly identify what you're going through, you're already going to be losing. Or you already lost. It is a war. When, your feet, when you get out of the bed in the morning and your feet hit the ground, Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, and God wants you to live an abundant life, and you have your own ideas of what you want to do. There are four voices. There's the devil's voice, other people's, yours, and God's. It's spiritual warfare. You've got to be able to decipher, right? He says, I want you to be my disciples. 
Serving others requires us to actively seek opportunities to help those around us. So it doesn't just fall in your lap. When he says, pick up my cross, he's saying, no, you seek. You look for opportunities to be that light, to be that love, to be who I called you to be. You don't sit and wait for it to come to you because it may not. He wants you to be active. Discipleship is like a verb. You move, you act, you look, you seek. And I don't know about you, but at one point in my life, it was all about the lazy boy Christianity for me because if it didn't come to my doorstep, I wasn't going to do it. I hit my recliner and my spiritual lazy boy, and I was just like, I'm good. Me, myself, and I, Jesus Christ in me. No, no. This means living a life of humility and compassion and forgiveness. Yeah, God wants all of your heart. So if there's somebody that you're struggling to forgive, forgive them. Because he said, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. Taking up your cross, following Jesus requires a radical commitment to denying yourself and serving others. It involves surrendering your own will to God and trusting his plan for your life. It's, it's about living a life of sacrificial love and prioritizing the needs of others. And I promise you, you become better equipped to fulfill God's calling on other people's lives and yours. The third thing he says, follow me. Follow me. He said, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Imitate him and act according to his example, Jesus said. He said, his life is the pattern. His life is the pattern for living our own lives. And so if we are his disciple, he literally becomes our rule of conduct. If we are his disciple, he literally becomes our pattern. Every action, every decision we make should be in the light of what would Jesus do? So John 8.31, John chapter 8.31, he says, um, you are truly my disciples. I don't know if I have that up. On the next slide, John 8.31. No, I don't. Okay. John 8.31, thank you. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. That's what he said. You are truly my disciples if, if, if you remain faithful to my teachings. Here Jesus is saying, continue obeying my commands, not just today, but always. He says, stay with it. He said, keep on keeping on. He said, stay faithful. He's exhorting us to persevere in obedience. He's telling us not to start and stop or to be up and down. He says, but maintain a consistency of faithfulness over time. And did you know that it's through discipleship that you become a special friend of God? And I know if I asked everybody in this room, do you want to be a special friend of God? We all would have both arms up. But it's not through salvation. It's through discipleship that you become a special friend of God. He said in John 15, 14 and 15, Jesus said to the disciples, you are my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command, it's an action. 
He said, if you do what I'm, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. But the first thing, you are my friends if you do what I command. Friendship with God is not something all believers possess. Obedience is the key ingredient of discipleship. It allows us to be on a special term with God as a friend to God. James says that Abraham was the friend of God because he obeyed him. In James chapter 2, 21 through 24, the Lord would speak to Moses in Exodus 33, 11, face to face as one who speaks to a friend because he too obeyed God. To be a friend of God means to be on a much deeper level of a relationship with him. There is great joy in being in that relationship where God shares special things with a person because he is a friend. Discipleship comes about through the process of following Christ, and there is no such thing as instant discipleship. There is no such thing as easy discipleship. Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. It's only by following Christ that we can become true disciples. We can't sit on the sidelines and become disciples. We can't just study about discipleship and become disciples. We must get into the act of following. I believe discipleship has never been as more important than it is today. We have a generation, the next generation, that's watching, that's learning, that's gleaning, waiting for you to surrender to the command to make disciples. We have a generation of young people that want authenticity, that want honesty, that want to build trust. And I remember when I, my daughter was in high school, and I remember when we, she was just beginning high school, we would have some conversations and she was talking about her teachers, and since I didn't understand, I'm far removed from school, some of the things she was talking about I didn't agree with, I didn't understand, so we were colliding. And she said, my teachers are always right. And I was just like, wow. And thank God for the Holy Spirit, because the Lord stopped me in my spirit. Instead of getting mad, I said, I gotta, I'm losing her heart. I'm losing my impact. I'm losing my influence. And guess what I started to do? I met her where she was. She was inviting me into a space to be a part of her life that I didn't understand. And that's what the next generation is doing. And as leaders and as adults, we don't bridge the gap well because it's like a time zone sometimes, right? It's just so foreign to us. And we got work and we got bills, and we got this, and we got that, and then they come at the wrong time because God is always trying to challenge you and stretch you so things that God wants to change in your life will not come in the right timing or convenient for you. They don't. They come at the most misopportune times. They come at the times that you are the most tired because God is trying to see what are you going to do as I'm testing you. And I didn't understand that. So they came at the wrong time and I yelled. And they came at the wrong, and God gives us so many chances, doesn't he? <laughs> he gives you chance after chance after chance. But I started reading this book, Keeping Your Children's Heart, and it changed everything for me. And, and, and God was saying to me, watch your tone. 
Watch how, the, the, how you raise your voice, but more importantly, watch your tone and your facial expression. Because the, the parts that your children are about to give you that you want to so desperately navigate and help them navigate through, you won't receive as soon as your tone is wrong and your facial expression is messed up. They shut down. And the, and the beauty of how it's hidden is you won't even know they shut down. And you just missed out on the part that you so desperately need to help them navigate life, to help you grow as a, as a parent, as a leader, as a teacher. You just missed it and didn't even know you missed it. It's so important for us to keep our children's heart. So for me, discipleship is about this next generation. Because I, let's just be honest, a lot of adults are just stuck in their ways. They're not trying to hear it. And just to be honest... We're not going to be here forever, and they're closely aligned to your age. But guess who we're passing the baton to? The next generation. Guess who's coming up behind us to be the kingdom leaders of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church? The next generation. And so it's so important right now. And we have a crisis on our hands when it comes to the next generation. A faith crisis. We have a crisis. And many of our children do not know what they believe, which affects the decisions of where they belong and ultimately shapes who they become. They live in a reality where they can swipe open a device before they can even write their name. To be connected. But they're lonelier than any generation before them. We have a crisis. Their identity is driven by image-centric social media platforms, which cause serious implications on body images, causing depression, anxiety, self-worth, and overall identity development for our children. So reaching the next generation, discipling the next generation is going to mean that you can no longer be an adult Christian that's a spiritual baby. You can't disciple them from that platform, from that space. You just can't. You have to mature and you have to grow up. And you have to be willing to be stretched and you have to be willing to be challenged and you must deny yourself and you must take up your cross and you must follow Jesus. You must, you must, because lives and souls are at stake. And who do we pass it to if we haven't discipled them? Who do we pass it to if we haven't been a good example? Who do we pass it to? For too many children, when they look in the mirror, they don't see someone worthy of acceptance and love. They see rejection. They don't see value. They see worthlessness. They don't see confidence. They see insecurity. They don't see success. They see failure. And we as the leaders need to help them navigate life and disciple them. So my heart is to disciple children. My heart is to disciple the youth. I still care about adults, don't get me wrong, but my passion is the next generation. They have the same questions we have as adults because we're not exempt. Do you see me? Right? You go to a new job as an adult, do you see me? Do I matter? Right? Do I belong? Am I enough? Will I be accepted? I have the same questions we have. But the beauty of these young kids, 
The beauty of these children is they don't have all the toxicity that we have. They don't have the painful experience that we've had. They don't have the things that they've gone through. They don't have the trauma. They don't have, they were clean slate. We must disciple the next generation before their experiences start to shape them. But also that gives us a job, right? Because you must heal yourself. You must heal your own hurts. You must continue to deny yourself, take up the cross and follow Jesus so that you can be that disciple that can make a disciple. Today's children are the least reached people group in the world, statistically. The least reached people group in the world. And I don't really understand. I just don't get it. I believe personally that the children and youth ministry is one of the most, or if not the most important ministry in your church. Because they are next. And whatever is next needs to, needs to be developed. Whatever is next needs to be nurtured. It, it needs to be groomed. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be hidden. It needs to be protected. Because it's next. And I won't bog you down with statistics this morning, but I will share this. Because Christianity is losing this generation. It sounds like a drastic statement, but by the year 2050, the numbers are saying 35 million youth raised in Christian homes will disaffiliate from Christianity. The overall Christian population, they're saying, will drop to 59% from 73%. And the big thing about this, these are statistics from a couple of years ago. The command is to make disciples. It's not an option to be considered It is a command to be obeyed. So at Crossroads, right, Crossroads is a school-based ministry, and um, Pastor Dave and his staff will share more about that. But um, it is such a blessing. Um, Many of you may be like me. I didn't even know we could share the gospel in the school, but that's a whole other story in after-school programs. If any... If there is a program in, an after, in a public school, um, after school, after school hours, if they're running a Boys and Girls Club YMCA, then you can run a club as well. And they are having clubs. I know there's one out, out in Cleveland, and there might be one on the West Coast. They have satanic clubs that are being run after school programs. So to be able to fill this space with sharing the gospel, it is so near and dear to my heart. And you know, children, 90% of the children throughout the country spend most of their time not in the church, in the school. The opportunity is endless. But I work at Crossroads, and I just want to share a quick thing. I mean, just the other day, we've been there. We were at Parkwood and Streamwood, and we're um, asking the children to, p- to pray. And one of the girls said, um, I just pray, and I thank you, God, for sending Crossroads. I don't want to get emotional. When I talk about children, I get very emotional because they are our future. It's so important that we take care of them. She said, God, I thank you for Crossroads. I thank you for Crossroads because it's teaching me to love Jesus. I thank you for Crossroads because it's teaching me to thank my mom and dad more at home. I thank you for Crossroads, God, and I wish we had Crossroads more than one day a week. And that touched me. I was in a youth group one time, and... I always try to identify my leader in the youth group because there's a little bit of manipulation there. <laughs> because if the leader for the youth group, if you find your leader, the rest follow. So we, um, one day he came in and we had a safe space. 
really quick to share another story. We had a thing called Safe Space. He came in and he was really down and I asked him what was going on. And since he's my leader, he was bold enough to say, um, tell me what was going on. And he said, yeah, my parents are getting a divorce and it's all my fault. And I was just like, wow, he's carrying a burden that he has nothing to do with. And I'm, paying, I'm sharing this example because these are some of the things our kids are walking around with, the heaviness and the burdens that are off our radars as leaders, as parents. We're not even thinking about it because they're not going to come to you that vulnerable because society has told us not to be vulnerable. And a lot of times as parents, we're not vulnerable. So they learn by example. But anyway, he shared that. And I said, well, do you mind if I share it with the rest of the group? And I had prepared my best message. I believe the Lord had gave me my best message for youth night. So I had to slide that to the side. <laughs> so anyway, now I'm relying completely on the Holy Spirit. And I said, hey, do you mind if I bring this up? Um, and he said, no, it's okay. And I asked the other young men and just all the arms started go- going up. I couldn't believe the heaviness that they were carrying at 13 14 years old, minds not fully developed, don't know how to navigate through these feelings, don't know how to deal with these emotions, and don't have anyone at home to talk to about it. Because the parents are walking in tired and just because we're not trying to keep our children's heart. And that's what changed things for me because I started prioritizing my children's heart and it moved everything behind. But we started talking I, it, it, it was just God. I had them pray for each other. I said, hey, just say one little line about what you're going through. We made a circle. I had one person pray for the person to the left of them. And the beautiful thing out of that is that they all prayed for each other, but it took their eyes off of their own circumstance. Isn't that what God does for us? He tells you, no, no, go out and do my work and be my disciple. I know your bills are mounting up. I know you have circumstances. I know you have storms. He said, I'll take care of them. Go and be about my business. Go and make disciples. Discipleship can be challenging. I know. Discipleship can be scary. I know. Discipleship does not happen without being in close proximity with someone. And some of us, we don't like that. I know. Discipleship is not all about how much we know. It's first about how much you care. Nobody's going to invite you in until they see how much you care. Discipleship is only possible when we have love for other people. I I have a, a friend. He's a pastor. He's my friend. He says, I love ministry, but I don't like people. (laughs) And I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> I, I don't like people. But he's prioritized discipleship. So he's always around people. And that's what God is saying to us. Move your feelings to the side. It's about me. It's about being about your father's business. And so let me wrap up. I don't even know how much more time I have. Um, Once we perfect our love, our ability to make disciples will not be thwarted, at least not by our own actions. We will be acting in a way toward others that Jesus has called us to do. Not only that, but the world will easily recognize who we serve. So now you're being a witness. You will know that they are my disciples by what? By their love. That's what he says in his word. Discipleship is stepping out of the boat and becoming a water walker. It's trusting. 
And you will have help. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, that takes care of the scariness, right? And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Discipleship is imitating Jesus Christ's example. It's, a, it's adhering to his sacrifice, believing in his resurrection, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and carrying out his work. Making disciples, as outlined in the Great Commission, involves teaching and training individuals to follow and obey Christ. And today, ladies and gentlemen, as ambassadors of, for Christ, we must continue to advocate reconciliation with God. We must strive to fulfill the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is not a relic as I close of the past, but a timeless directive that continues to guide our actions in the present day. It challenges us to become devoted disciples of Jesus, actively participating in the vital task of spreading his message of salvation to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, our marching orders from Jesus has not changed. It has not changed. It has always been the same. Jesus commanded the Great Commission. And you may say that the world, our country, we just need new rules, we just need new laws, or even new politicians, but what we really need is Jesus. The life-giving message of the gospel. Let the Great Commission define who you are. Let it be a cooperative mentoring process known as discipleship. Commissions are to be accepted. Commissions are to be obeyed. Commissions are to be fulfilled to the best of our ability. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. And the command is to disciple. I'll close with... um, A quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German Lutheran pastor, um, is the author of the 1937 classic, The Cost of Discipleship. And I'll sum it up in this phrase that he penned. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, you paid it all. You made the greatest sacrifice. You are spotless and without sin. And you took my sin and everyone's sin upon yourself. You took my place of punishment on the cross. And thank you for your great love for me. Thank you for your love for all people. Thank you that you provide life in the way of forgiveness and restoration for each person. Thank you for taking your own blood, Jesus to the mercy seat to atone for the sin of all who will come to you, of all who believe, trust, and follow you. Oh, Lord Jesus, life is hard. And without question, it is distracting for what you have called us to do for the kingdom's sake. But this morning, we declare, and we thank you in advance for opening our eyes to the opportunities all around us as we go through this life. Jesus, may we see you at work and seek to join you in your mission to reach those who are far from you. Help us to see the one who was lost. 
Help us to raise the next generation to love you extravagantly. Oh God, may we set the pace for our families and our community. May we run the race set before us and not grow weary. May we fight the good fight and finish well. Father, we know we fall short, but thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that we are encouraged to stand strong in our calling to salvation and our calling to discipleship, to be your hands and your feet in this world. May we be the salt and the light, and we'll give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' holy and all-powerful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.